EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Hello, hello. Welcome. Great to have your company on the EFTM Podcast. Last one for the year as we move into Christmas. Um, I, I move into school holiday mode, which means my wife and I move into who the hell's going to look after the kids today mode. <laughs> so, um, yes, we need to pause this wonderful show and take a break. Um, and I hope that's okay with you. If it's not, I mean, I don't massively care. Um but it would disappoint me if it disappointed you, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yes. Um, it is, in fact, my birthday as I record this. So that's how dedicated I am to this show. Sitting here on my birthday, talking to myself uh, for you. But because I love it. I just, I love ringing people with their tech questions. I love chatting to people. And we have a fun guest today who's an artist on YouTube. And I've already spoken to him, so the, the, oh, it's pre-recorded. We'll put that in the show shortly. But the spoiler alert is I put my foot in my mouth in the very, very intro, but that doesn't become obvious until pretty much the end of the interview. It's fascinating. Um, and I have a lot to learn <laughs> about art and YouTube, it seems. Um, so, yes, we're going to talk to an artist called Jazza, who's an Aussie guy um, who makes amazing art. And a lot of YouTube content, and he's doing very well. He's doing very well. Um, Nearly 6 million subscribers, and uh, obviously working his ass off for it. So good bloody on him for that. Anyway, um, we'll talk to him, plus we'll take your calls, and I'll chinwag about the world, and we'll go from there here on the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Taking your calls. If you've got a question, go to the website eftm.com. Click on Ask Trev, and that's me, Trevor Long. I'll take your call, see if we can help you out with your tech question. David's on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Well, how are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you? Okay, I've set up a few Arlo cameras in my house, yep. on the outside of the house, and I've got a couple pointing to the front towards the street mm-hmm. across the driveway from different angles. Yep. And it doesn't seem to matter what I do with the settings, changing the zones, reducing the sensitivity, but it picks up every single movement, even the movements outside of the zone, and probably less of the movement inside the zone settings than outside. Interesting. So I'll be honest, I don't effectively use uh, the activity zones on my cameras, even though I, like you, have one that is dead set pointing at the street, um, because I rely very much more on time and smarts. Now, you're probably going to hate this, but the Arlo Smart subscription is a a big answer to to most problems. So, for example, with Arlo Smart, um, and if you've only just bought them, you should have maybe a couple of months free included i've had them a while oh, okay, it took right. me it took me it took me a while to get them all installed and oh, i do have the the monthly subscription as well well let me let me ask arlo if i can get your little voucher to, to hook you up because I, i'm not suggesting it's the only way to use cameras but the the benefit of here let me just explain to you how i use it so for example at our front door um i separate i have different different uh, modes for our cameras where all of the cameras, we've got like 20 cameras, all the cameras are running at night from like 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. Everything's on, just lights and sirens, do your best. But mm-hmm. during the day, even when we're home, I have the front door always active, but only looking for people 
or packages. So if a car drives past on the street, I don't care. doesn't worry me. If a cat walks through at night, I don't care. I want to know if someone walks to my front door or someone leaves yeah. a parcel at my front door. Same with the back door because there's a tree out the back of our joint which is waving in the breeze all the time and that motion would become... The problem is when you get 100 notifications and it's always a tree, it's like the boy who cried wolf. When you get an alert at 11 p.m. one night that says there's no motion detected on the back door, you're just going to go, yeah, it's the tree. But it's actually a person. So with Arlo Smart, you say, I only want notifications when it's people, and that means that you kind of have a bit of a trust that every beep that it has is something that you would at least need to, re- to look at or respond to. Are we, are we talking about the sliding scale on the? No, on I'm, the I'm talking about with the Arlo Smart subscription. You can you can set it up so it says if, like in this mode, let's say in your different modes. So you've got on the app, you've got devices, the library, and the modes. So with your home, you might have modes that are um, armed, uh, disarmed. I have one just called front door, and during the daytime when we're home, front door is the mode that's active, so that if so that that's only the front door camera that's 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 essentially recording motion. And as a part of that uh, rule, so you set up a rule, and it says if there's motion detected, and yes, you can you can slide your little scale there, but you can also then say if it's a per- person, a, a vehicle, or an animal, then do this. Do you know what I mean? It's like an if then this yeah. then that kind of situation. Now that sliding scale you mentioned is also a critical thing because if you don't have the smart subscription. You do need to find this balance, delicate balance between not getting any alerts and just getting way too many. But if you're pointing a camera at the street, you're you're always going to get too many. You're better off pointing just na- pointing yeah. it down my, towards the ground more. Mine aren't quite at the street. I've got because we've got a, a security gate, so they can't get to the front door. Mm-hmm. But I like to know if someone's actually at the front gate. Yep. And so the gate's closed. We've got a, a double driveway, yep. and so I've got. One camera from upstairs pointing one way, and I've got a camera downstairs, which kind of monitors our garage door to make sure, so I can actually look through the camera to make sure the garage door is closed. Yeah. So I've got two different angles. Neither of them is pointing directly at the front, and I've also made the zone so the zone excludes the street, but it still picks up still movement picking up in movement the street. Yeah, right. And it hardly, and if I walk across the driveway, it hardly ever picks me up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I've tried, and I've changed the setting from one end of the scale to the other end of the scale. And yep. Everywhere in between, and no luck. No luck. Well, look, I think that uh, what I want to do is I definitely want to hook you up with a, a smart subscription just so you can try that for a bit. Um, and let me also get your details to Arlo's technical support and see whether they can offer you some more advice on the use of zones, essentially. Yeah, I, um, I did try them on their technical support at one stage, and I didn't seem to get very far. Well, mate, so the good news is maybe, that I'm taking maybe, you. Maybe I'm taking maybe you can get me to the right person. Exactly. And we're going <laughs> to yeah, we're okay. going to bypass all that and get you right to the right people. All right, that's that's where I come in. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so if you're okay with that, I will pass your email address and phone number on to Arlo um, to have a conversation with you potentially about the the best use of those zones. Um, which model camera do you have? Do you know? I got the Ultra. Okay. So, I mean, you've gone in, in hard. That's the right one to have. So you shouldn't be having that level of problems. But um, I think the, the subscription will give you a different view of how the alerts work. Because for, for me, and I did a segment this week on, on the Today Show where we talked about cameras. I think you might have seen it. And it's like, that's why I, that's please, why I contacted you. this is exactly the, the, the thing. You, you, you put them in and 
unless you spend time and I'm telling you, it's a week or two of, of tweaking because you've got to tweak it one day and then see how it performs the next day. You've literally got to have that day of use before you get a sense of whether or not you're getting false positives and all that kind of stuff. And you also need to put a lot of thought into when you want them active because the, the big thing is about these kind of security cameras, these wire-free cameras is they're not meant to record 24-7. If you want that, there's other products on the market. And you can you can get an Arlo, you can have it, you can get a, um, a what's it called a solar panel, so it's po- constantly powered, and you can you can sign up to a CVR plan, continuous video recording plan. So it is essentially live streaming your camera into the cloud and being recorded. So you can look at anything that happens at any time, but that's really only important if you really one of those people who wants everything ever recorded. If you just want them for alerts and problems and concerns then you want to spend this time tweaking. So we'll, we'll work work on the schedule, on the secure stuff, but I also want you to play around with the mode and the different different types of modes you can have and where and when you schedule them. Okay. I've got the subscription to a cloud. Is that different from the smarts? It, it shouldn't be different. No, Arlo Secure is both cloud and smarts. So if you're paying, okay. you know, five bucks for one camera or fifteen for unlimited cameras, I think I'm paying fifteen. Yeah. Then you you should have what you need. Um, so I need we need to get you a little bit digging into those settings and looking at those. And you also need to set. So this is a, a annoying thing, I'll be honest. Um, but under subscription, I think it is. You can you have to choose the different cameras that have the smart subscription on them. So you actually need to add your cameras in. So. Because they're not by default added in, so okay, that, that in, might be what I don't have. There you maybe. go. Uh, so yeah. un, under settings, look at subscription, and then you want to add the cameras to the subscription in there. All right, but okay. I will still I'll, pass your details on because I think it'd be good for for you to have a, a quick chat with someone to see whether they can give you a bit more advice. Okay, that'd be good. I'll, I'll have a look at those settings as well. All right, all right, thank you. No worries. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, you too. Good on you. Thanks, Thanks for getting in touch. And uh, if you got a question. Uh, like Dave, happy to help at any time. Um, not the oracle of all things, but certainly do my best to help where I can. EFTN. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Got a tech question? Go to the website EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev. Trev did that. G'day, Trev. G'day, Trev. It's a, bit, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's like a bloody circle here. What's going on? It's not exactly a common name, is it? No, not really. No. <laughs> but you're not bald. I am. You're kidding, uh, mate. Yeah, I'm obviously smothering that well. <laughs> My 15 year old bags me every day about being bald, or going bald anyway. Have I lost you there, mate? Hello. I've lost you. Hello. No, back again. You're back, Trev. What can I do yeah. for you, mate? Okay, um, I seen you done a review on uh, Neo um, Television. I'm talk- yeah. talking about here the Samsung. The Samsung. Yep. And but you were talking about a, uh, I think about a 75 inch. Yep. And it was an 8K. I'm very very interested in um, what you think of the. Oh, the best I can go is 50 inch. Yep. And it's a 4K. So What's the difference? The best you can go is 50 inches, mate. What's doing there? Is that a price or a size constraint? Um, size, really, because of, um, I've got 43-inch on at the moment and that sort of uh, fills that little dresser. 
Uh, you've got an actual space there. I think the yes, challenge. Yes, I have. The challenge is if if I'm if I'm right is I don't know that you can get a fifty, or I don't think you can get a neo that small. Let's uh, let me have a look because I know, um, you know that there's. Yep, I've seen them, Trev. Fifty. So you can definitely get a fifty, not a fifty-five. No, fifty and fifty-five. Okay, I don't I don't see a fifty itself. I see a lot. Oh yeah, you're right. Samsung Q ninety A. 50-inch Neo QLED 4K, you're looking at two and a half grand. Is that the best price? That's the current price. I don't think you're going to see that change for another maybe three or four months until next year's models come out. Um, Yeah. It is, mate, I'll be honest, a lot of money for a 50-inch TV. Um, It really is, yeah. But there's a couple of things. Explain to me again, Mm. please, um, the difference between 8K and 4K. What are we talking about? So we're talking about the number of pixels on the screen, the number of little tiny dots that make up the picture. And with HD, full HD, um, you've got, you know, really great quality. But then 4K is four of those put together. 8K is four of 4Ks put together. So your 4K, 50-inch TV, is is one quarter the number of pixels of my 8K. But I would say this to you, you can't get the 8K in 50 inches for a start. And secondly, no. at 50 inches, it literally doesn't matter. Like there's no way your eye or my eye are going to notice the difference between 4K and 8K in a 50-inch TV. At 75 and 85 inches and the like, you really start to notice a, a bit of a difference. And as we get yeah. even bigger than that, yeah. it's going to become more and more important. So no, I wouldn't worry about 8K. Um, the benefit for you of that TV that you're looking at is it is just the most beautiful television that you can get. Like, it's stunning. The fact that it has no border around it, it really is impressive to look at. The picture quality is sensational. Um, there, there's nothing I can say to you that is negative about that TV other than the price. Right? That, you've got it in one. That's what I sort of picked from you um, when I watched it when you were talking about the other one, you said it. I think if we know, look you at... You didn't have a negative on it at all. You if know, if we look at any 50-inch TV, if you go to JB Hi-Fi, as an example, and I use this, they're not a sponsor, but I go to their website, it's easy to use, right? That TV yeah. that you're talking about is the most expensive 50-inch TV you can buy. The next, yes, I know. The next best is $1,800, so 700 less for a Sony X90J. Now, that's a Google TV, and I'm telling you, Beautiful TV, very nice TV. Uh, Samsung's so it, the frame. It, it would go close, would it, mate? I don't know that you'd notice a difference in the picture quality. I really don't. Um, I know for a fact that you'd notice that the bezel, the border around the outside, is you know five or ten millimeters on a Sony, but it's one millimeter on the on the Samsung. That's the yeah, really big noticeable difference. You know, I don't know. Is yeah. that that important for you? Um. <laughs> Mate, I'm a pensioner, and um, between the wife and I, we love our television and all the rest of it. Yep. And uh, I've got – well, I'll tell you, honestly, I've got a um, Kogan. Yeah. And it's great. Uh, no, it's not. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's rubbish. And when do you know – I'm when, talking when because do you of think the it's size. Rubbish? Yeah, I'm but, talking but, only because of the size. It's a 43. My wife's one upstairs – is um I don't know that's fifty something or other, and the picture on that is beautiful. What brand is that one? That's a Kogan as well. See, the thing is, uh, if you're limiting yourself by that cabinet, 
then you know you, you are you're just you're massively. I mean, let me ask you the question: Can you lose the cabinet? Is there any way you could lose the cabinet? I could, yes, yeah. Then, but then, see, I was disappointed with the the sound as well as the picture on this little thing. So I went out and bought an LG um, soundbar. Sound soundbar. It it's it's useless connected to it. Right. Okay. Well, that's and yet I paid what do I think about between three and four hundred dollars for the damn yeah, thing? Right. You know, well, and I'm, it's wasted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look. I think that. If you're sticking with that cabinet, then in all honesty, I think you should spend $1,000 on a Samsung 50-inch crystal UHD, okay? Because the benefits of Neo QLED at that size, I don't yeah. – I mean, it's beautiful, mate. It's beautiful. But it's yeah, $2,500, so as much yeah. as I'd love to convince you, I'd prefer that you either buy a cheaper TV or you ditch yeah. that cabinet and we have a completely different conversation, which is what's your genuine budget? Like what – not what could you spend, but what do you feel comfortable spending on a TV? Like would up you – Up to two grand, mate, up to two. Okay. So then if you look at – again, you look at, you know, JB, for example, and you say what, what, what do we get at that, at that price – for yeah. two grand, I would suggest suggest to you a 2021 model Hisense 75 inch TV will just completely and utterly change your TV watching experience forever. It's a Hisense. Hisense 75 inch, yeah. stunning, big, good sound, good everything. Like, and I want to be clear: no, it's not the best you can get. But for me. Sitting in that space, a 75-inch TV is a much more enjoyable overall experience than a 50-inch TV on its own. I'd prefer, yeah. mate, I would, here's, I'll be honest with you, I would prefer a 75-inch Kogan over a 50-inch Samsung. Really? Mm, because I'm a go big or oh, go home Trev, kind of you're person. You're just blowing me out of the water now. Go big or go home, Trev. Oh, that seems to be the way, eh? Mate, have a when look. When I say it's a cabinet, it's not a it's not a cabinet as such. Mm. Um, it's a stand, and its length would probably be uh, sixty across the top. Yeah, the, the, that's going to restrict you from getting a bigger TV. But mate, get a bigger cabinet. Like seriously. Yeah, and With, underneath, uh, I'd, all I have is um, me weather thing that plugs in and. A fetch, a mighty fetch. Beautiful, great device. Again, you're you're on a winner. But and it, you, to go, go, to JB, uh, go to JB Hi-Fi and stand in front of a 75 inch high sense TV, and tell me it's not impressive. And well, then I've seen, I've looked, I've been looking for a while, and I've done nothing. You know, mm, and mm. as I say, I'm. I just a pensioner, I, and I sort of watch me money, and I thought, oh, and, and I <laughs> that's think, a lot of money, uh, two thousand five hundred. It really is, and and bang for your buck, it's a beautiful TV. I want to be very clear, but it's so small that you know, as I mean, you, if you do enjoy your TV and you do watch a lot of content, then I would I would think investing in a entertainment unit, <laughs> you know, a little cabinet. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's from bloody IKEA or you know, it doesn't doesn't have to be amazing, just has to support the weight, and that's not much. Yeah, well, that's what I say. My wife, 
she loves Tommy <clears throat> stuff. And she watches her television up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not big on them. Mate, you know? she will not be down, she'll be down trying it. to watch yours because she'll be envious of your 75-incher. Now, you said before, Trevor, while I've got you, um, Sony too. I was sort of looking at yeah. Sony as well. What was the one in Sony that you, you quite liked? There was a – I think it's the X90J, I think. X90. Frankly, Sony – as long as yeah. it's a Google TV, which means you can install apps and everything on it, they've got some yep. crackers. They've got some real crackers, trust me. Really good TVs. Because I'm right into Google with my Mate, telephones hang and everything on. else. Let, let, me, let me tell you this. There's a Sony X85J, X85J, 65-inch for two grand. 65. So not, not as big as you can go. But maybe yeah. you don't need as big a cabinet. But still, 65 inches is enormous compared to your current 43-inch. <coughs> yeah. And so this is a TV cool. you're going to have for five or six years, mate. So you want to know that yeah, you're going to, yes. you know, you want to get yeah. – I, I, yeah. I'm 76, you know, it will probably outlast me. Oh, rubbish. <laughs> You'll ring me when you're 83 going, Trev, Trev here, <laughs> what am I getting? All right? Actually, I, I – I'll just give you the laugh and remember the last time you rang me and I was talking, you said, where are you? Are you? You sound like you're outside. And I said, yeah, I'm uh, dabbling around in the sewage. I've got a pump going on <laughs> here at the moment. <laughs> you said, oh, my God, we're on air, Trev. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Yeah. Right. Well, look, you you Trev, rang. <laughs> mate, you go and find yourself a new little cabinet. Get the wife to have some input on that, make her feel good about it, and then go and buy yeah. a bloody big TV to sit on top of it, all right? Yeah. So I, I look at the, these now. Um, Sony and Hisense. Right. Sony and Hisense. Tony and Hisense. Right. Tell me again, what, what was the Sony one? X85J for the 65 X85J. That's it. Yep. I've got it written down. So now I'll, I'll spend my time looking at it. All right, mate. Good on you. <laughs> Good on you, Trev. Thanks again, mate. No problems at all. And uh, if you've got a question like Trev, just get in touch. Go to the website, EFTM.com. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now, I don't know about you. If you've got kids, um, they don't care about television. And I speak as someone who's on the television. They couldn't care less. Um, when I put something on YouTube, they tell me about it at dinner. They watch YouTube. Uh, sometimes I have to tell them to get off YouTube and just watch something on Stan or Netflix. But... See, what I love about YouTube is the just ridiculously diverse amount of content you get there. Now, some of it, I could, get, you know, take it or leave it. Some of it just blows my mind. And the stuff that blows my mind is you kind of, uh, you dude perfect. Um, you know, your Mark Rober is brilliant if you're looking for something to introduce your kids to. And then there's, there's two things that stand out for me. And my next guest will be able to tell me, the name that I'm forgetting, it's Zach, or there's a three-letter three uh, acronym uh, who's just, he draws stuff on buildings and, and he has mates that they all do drawing challenges. And then my daughter watches Mariah Elizabeth, who just is a great artist. She, she redoes squishies and she just creates great little bits of art. And it has inspired my daughter to want every single Posca pen and pencil you can buy for this Christmas. And so without spoiling it for my daughter, she's getting a lot of artworks this Christmas. But there's Aussies doing this as well. And there's one bloke who has over 5 million, nearly 6 million, let's be honest, subscribers on YouTube. And he's doing great things to inspire people of all ages, including kids, 
to just get creative and get arty. And his name's Jazza. Well, I'm assuming that's his nickname, but he's on the line. G'day, Jazza. G'day. How are you? Thanks mate, for having me. Mate, really well. It is a fascinating thing. Tell me tell me about your background before YouTube. What what brings you to creativity in YouTube? Oh, all right. Um, I, I'll try and keep it short and <laughs> simple for you. <laughs> Look, uh, my background as a kid, basically, I grew up out in the country and, and uh, quite distant from you know, having friends and, and being near much to do. So yeah. I sort of occupied myself a lot. I was a middle child in a large family. So basically projects are what kept me occupied and specifically creative projects. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in my early childhood, I just spent a lot of time like figuring out different, you know, computer programs, you know, in the earlier age of computers with a terrible internet connection. Um, yeah, I, I really just got obsessed with art and creativity until I hit high school where it sort of, I doubled down on it again. Oh. I think, I think it's an advantage to not have uh, many friends because uh, you can immerse yourself in something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So like, I could have, you know, could have, could have, you know, been lonely or frustrated or whatever. But I just thought, you know, like I can reshape my reputation by doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, which I did. I actually became the kid at school who drew pictures rather than you know just the the outcast or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it sort of became a. a Something I had as a as my my power, I guess you could say, yeah. um, that I could develop. So then, that that was sort of where it started. And yeah, later in high school, I sort of immersed myself in myself in online communities. Um, and by the time I graduated, I was uh, I was figuring out how sponsorships for game development for flash games worked and all that stuff. I was like figuring out how to monetize my craft, and I sort of thought, you know, what's the point going to university to get a piece of paper to say to an employer, I can do what I do when I can just figure out how to do it. Mm. Um, so I just kept going. And then eventually the platform that I was creating games for was Flash, sort of crashed due to the yeah. iPhone store sort of <laughs> ticking up. Uh, so I had to pivot and I pivoted to YouTube. I had a lot of animator friends who went over there and I just decided to sort of focus on it in a way that I could hopefully build as a business and, and it worked. And was there a point there where your family went, what do you mean you're, you're doing YouTube? Because even today... <laughs> The, there's a generation who think that YouTube's not a job, but you've obviously created a not just a career but a lifestyle out of making YouTube and I would argue not really having to work. You know, you're, you're enjoying what you do. You're, you're probably living that life that people say if you if you enjoy what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it comes with a lot of different sort of preconceptions. As far <laughs> as my family's concerned, the, the reality is um, – uh, they always saw me have weird random projects and use random platforms. So they weren't really paying much attention right. until it was working. Yeah. <laughs> it was just another, it was just another one of those things that I was doing. Another you know? thing Jazz is doing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but as far as, um, you know, the work is concerned, it's, I, I've always sort of hustled since I was, um, you know, high school, you know, so mm -hmm. it's a, it's the same sort of vibe. I'm doing the same thing I always did as a kid. I just sort of figured out a platform that I can flourish on. Is it a hustle still at 6 million odd subscribers? Yes. A hundred percent, more yeah. than it ever has been, right. especially because it's a growing business. I've got, you know, almost a dozen employees. I'm starting up multiple channels. I uh, worked the other day from 7 a.m. till 4 in the morning the next day, and that's not terribly uncommon. Um, I think there is, that's one of the preconceptions is that is this lifestyle of, you know, it's one of, it's one of the reasons it's one of the most desired careers because people think, oh, you can just have fun for a living and it's not mm. a real job. But no, the reality is it's one of the most competitive industries in the world and to do it well and successfully and build a business on it, you have to work hard and smart 
You have to understand how algorithms work. You have to adapt to that. So my advice for anyone who's interested in doing YouTube is, first of all, I ask, what's it for? Do you want to do it for you, yourself and for fun or for a career? And if they say for a career, um, the advice is always very different. Yeah. Why do you create more channels? Um, I've always wondered that because I see even the biggest creators on, on the platform create um, different channels. Is that so that you can be more niche in each channel and therefore you know, build an audience of niches or is it you know, about mm. monetizing across multiple platforms and channels? There's multiple reasons. Um, the main one is definitely sort of diversifying your revenue. If one thing fails, you can sort of lean on yeah. something else and grow it. Um, another for me is like I'm driven by my passions and I uh, I am very passionate about building things. So I feel like I've built the Jazza channel. I'm definitely sort of in full swing, kicking it up into – I'm always sort of rebranding and trying to find the next big angle uh, to get more growth. But at the same time, like there's something really exhilarating about a startup, about uh, having a fresh, young, new channel yeah. and figuring out how to get it to grow and build a new audience. So, And there is a strength to niches. So one channel that I kicked up in the last year is called Tabletop Time, uh, which is based on the hobbies of like tabletop gaming and, and um, role-playing and miniature painting. Yeah. Um, and that went from 20,000 subscribers last year to 170,000 this year. So that there's just something really exhilarating about that. And there's a, as much work that goes into that as there is growing a 6 million subscriber channel or, frankly, a 200 subscriber channel. And so I, I mentioned at the start my kids and how they – basically how they consume content and i think that's the next generation and a lot of people mm -hmm. overlook that in the in the kind of mainstream world but are you uh, uh, do you think about the fact that your audience is everyone because obviously i mean as a parent i'm a bit of a narc i'm a i'm an annoyingly strict parent um <laughs> yeah. you know and if i hear a new voice if i'm in the kitchen and i hear a new voice on the tv i walk in and go who's that What's that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the early on, my kids were watching Stampy on uh, Play Minecraft. And this guy, yeah. I'd watched enough videos to know he doesn't swear. He's pretty friendly. And I don't yeah. think he's a creep. So it was like, cool. Yeah. But then they started watching other Minecrafts. And I'm like, dude, I don't know who these people are. So not until yeah. I've watched yeah. it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I wonder where, how much of that you take into account, you know, because that is a big audience. And so it's also yeah. a cautious thing because you don't want to be too kitty when you might have wonderfully creative university students also watching. How hard is that to deal with? It's it's a constant learning experience and that is definitely a, uh, a conversation with myself and my wife and, and my audience that I've had over time um, because it's a new platform and that's ever evolving. And I experienced this in the past on Newgrounds and other websites I've loaded to where there's this mm. sort of creative recklessness that is that comes with these new platforms where, you know, you can go too far and you can do all that and there really aren't repercussions or anyone taking you to court for it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas these days, um, taking into account, I don't, I'm not using my words properly. That's right. um, uh, yeah, so these days, especially as I've, I've always been very interactive with my audience, I always really love meeting uh, and chatting to. I do meet and greets through VidCon and things like that. I've had a couple in person where, we, you know, we hire security and we make sure to do it with, proper you know insurances and everything but uh, that's where i'm most aware that like okay yeah. i've got uh you know a, a wide mix of audiences a lot of young adults but also some teenagers and a couple of kids and yeah. it's like okay it makes you aware of some of the videos you put out and you think okay i'm gonna just be conscious of this you know not necessarily change my approach because you can't control like if i make a little more edgy content and kids watch my content that's not my fault 
that's yeah. <laughs> that's just how they find uh, and the i think that's that's a really really good approach because it is um you know you have the option as an uploader to say is this made for kids and so it appears on youtube kids if you're a parent yeah. and your kids are discovering stuff that's maybe too edgy it's really your fault not youtube's um yeah but it's yeah. fascinating because I, I watched one of your videos this morning just randomly uh, the coloring page will be the end of me and i i looked at it and went that's awesome like you bought that on amazon <laughs> i must get one of those we we bought a felt like a tablecloth it was fabric and we use fabric paints or textures to color in this thing that was the size of a bloody tablecloth one Christmas. And yeah. it was a wonderful exercise as a family to do because we were just sitting there chatting and coloring in. And here you are, um, you know, you made it fun, obviously, with challenges and the like, but I, I would have watched it if it was just a time lapse of you yeah, coloring the bloody yeah. thing in. It's it's almost a bit fascinating and weird that that can be content today, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant that something yeah. that you're so good at and passionate about can simply be content. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um it's forever the challenge to sort of find ways to find the things you're passionate yeah. about uh, get, to get the edge in content to get the clicks essentially because that's yeah, what yeah. you know so makes it's all it about. successful. Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about the um, ASUS Creators Exchange. This is a, a program uh, you've become part of. Um, how does that work, yeah. and, and what's the inspiration there? Is it to show how different technology, like digital technology, can be used in creativity? Um, what, what's your what's your fascination behind being involved in something like that? So, I think the core of it is about is empowerment, um, both for novices and veterans. It's an open source collaborative space for for all creators, and I just love the approach. I've worked with ASUS for many years, and they really do focus uh, on innovation and providing for uh, creators, in particular, is my perspective, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I love it, and you know, especially with their hardware. I'm like, we run half of our studio on their laptops. We actually have two Zen books in the room I'm in right now. But yeah. <laughs> we're running on. Um, the pro duos and it's, they're really just uh, professional focus, but also accessibility focus. And there's a great range there. And I think that's the approach they're taking with the creative exchanges. They're basically um, trying to create a platform that makes accessibility uh, angled towards professionalism, but accessible to uh, everyone. Now, I mean, it's a fascinating thing because I think that um, when you look at creativity today compared to, you know, certainly when I was a kid, you know, computers weren't really a part of being creative other than, you know, looking at how amazing a computer game was. And when you look at it now from 20, 30 years ago, yeah. it's amazing yeah. how, how lame they were broadly. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think yeah. about my kids using a, a tablet. Um, my kids, I mean, my daughter is, you know, editing little videos on a laptop. It's it's quite a um, powerful thing for kids to be able to have technology um, at their disposal to essentially yeah. find their own thing, isn't it? Because it may well be that we're not talking about a kid that colors in. It may well be someone, you know, think about your early days doing flash and, you know, these days it mm. might be, I don't know, you might even just be using Canva, you know, something like that to, yeah. to make creative yeah. little birthday cards or something for your friends. Um, it's phenomenal how yeah. websites and technology today is such an, it actually makes, I think it, what would you say? It democratizes creativity or something like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I use that term a lot actually. And, um, that it's powerful because the more powerful these things grow, uh, the more is put into making them more accessible. So they continue to get more and more impressive in terms of what you can do with creative programs and, and hardware, software, um, and easier to use. And especially like one of my passions is virtual reality. And yeah. that's, uh, for me, that's huge. Like the way that's going to um, empower sculptors and digital creations. Uh-huh. And then you look at how 3D printing's growing and it's still technically a niche, but it's it's a thriving industry. So 20 years from now, I think there'll be a 3D printer in every home and you can easily 
chuck on a pair of something the size of ski goggles and sculpt something and print it. And, you know, it's just incredible. You know, it's sci-fi come to life. Have you had a crack at the ZenBook Pro Duo from Asus? Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got two of them in the room. The dual screen one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate you. I'm very lucky. I know, right? <laughs> I didn't think you meant the dual screen one. I thought you were talking about yeah, one of their yeah. pro laptops. Oh, you're killing me. So how do you I'm use that second spoiled. screen in a creative sense? For everything. Uh, very much for overflow, and that's the thing that is biggest for me personally is because um, in my creative process, every every computer I use has two to three monitors mm-hmm. when it's a desktop. Yep. So laptops have always been a problem, but then the reality is I need to be mobile. And in the industry I'm in, you have to – you have to pivot quickly. You have to move setups very quickly. You have to be able to take your show on the road. You know, um, so it enables me to to do all that and work at a really high level of, of professionalism. And the second screen is just an example of that, where I can have three like professional grade programs running at once and all visible to me, which is huge. Because it's kind of um, it's a funny. I'm trying to think of the word, but it's 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 essentially a, a creators often get tagged as if they're going to use a particular laptop let's be let's let's beat around the bush but yeah you know i feel like everyone is trying to use one thing or they aspire to one thing but people don't realize that i mean you look at the that um that laptop the pro duo we're talking about a device that has an intel core i7 processor it's got nvidia graphics touch screen it's actually got more than even those most desired laptops uh, (laughs) you know out there it's more powerful they're more powerful than half my desktop PCs and they're like professional um, editing desktop PCs. And so, so here's one I want to yeah. understand from you as a creator touchscreen. Now, I have this debate a lot about certain companies that haven't done a touchscreen and probably never will. Yeah. How, how much do you use a touchscreen? Because I don't use it as a as a like every minute item, I use it to kind of swipe up on a website or tap OK on yeah. a prompt and things like that. And I still think that's enough to make it valid and useful. Uh, I think a touchscreen on a laptop is a really important tool. Yeah, and it's all about modes of use as well. So, like, um, you know, if you're in a more casual mode of use, your casual mode of using a device, be it your phone or your tablet, is actually touch. Um, So I think it's one of the lowest barriers to entry. I think often when people are in work mode, yeah, the keyboard-mouse thing is is really where you lean, Um, but the ability to sort of go between those is really strong. It actually enables you to um, have it for different modes of use without necessarily being stuck in one, you know? Yeah, right. Fascinating. Now, uh, scrolling through your channel, there's something that concerns me greatly, and I haven't watched the video, full disclosure. <laughs> I know exactly the one you're talking about. Oh, do you? Does it, is yeah, it relate I to do. my intro? <laughs> it does. It does relate to your intro. It relates to three to three letters. ZHC. That, uh, um, and my, my kids watch this all the time, and I, yeah. I'll be honest, and I, I haven't watched your videos. I don't know what you're exposing, but yeah. I'll be honest, I don't like it because I don't, I'm not a massive fan of these things where it's all about money being given away and stuff. Yeah. I'm the same yeah. with Mr. Beast. I, I admire the fact that he makes millions and gives it away, uh, yeah. but I, I don't like what it creates in terms of that think kids think that's the way the world is. But anyway, so, yeah. I mean, it's clickbait on its own with the title, but are, are you genuinely exposing something about yes. him here? Like, what, what, are, we, what are we – tell me. <laughs> um so uh, there's going to be a part two. I'm, yeah. I'm taking my time with it, but I've actually interviewed a good number of people in the art and YouTube community. Uh, I, I won't go into too much depth. In one of the reasons I'm taking my time is because I want to do it the right way. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think some of the issues that I've had for a while have been exactly what you've just mentioned: the um, aggressive uh, 
flashiness of money into intertwining money and art and all that. And that yeah. sort of has its place. So I don't, you know, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment platform. Mm. But the main issue I've had is with truthfulness. And uh, there's quite a lot there that um, I've got to uncover and go through. But the part one was basically about setting up the premise. Um, and the premise was I'm going to watch all of his videos and see if my impression of him is backed up or not. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so far, just from part one, I feel like it is, but I want to go through and be as unbiased as possible. And I'm going to, you know, obviously in part two, dig into it a bit more. But part one, I only go through, I say only, I went through like, you know, 40 hours of content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there, there's quite a lot that I've gone through already. And you can see how someone who, and he's very young. Yeah. Uh, and at the, at the point I watched up to in part one, he was, you know, in his, he was like 19 or early twenties. Mm. Um, that if you utilize the advantages you can gain on the platform to grow without, uh, we, I guess I could say with reckless abandon, you know, like not necessarily factoring in certain, um, that needs to balance some more authenticity mm. with truth, yep. um, and how you collaborate, um, yeah, there's just a lot there. So yeah. there's a oh, bit look, to dig I, into. I hear what you're but... saying, and I think that in the end, I feel like we're, we're quite aligned on the fact that I have great respect for them all. Like you're making a living, yeah. making amazing content, and if it's seen as entertainment, then yeah. great. But if if people can't understand or believe, like, you know, Mr. Beast is another oh, example. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to give 10 grand to this guy, and he's like, he's your mate. Is that just part of his wage, or is that actually – I don't know how that's working, but – yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's very fascinating. So I might watch that one myself and then uh, decide <laughs> yeah. how that goes with the kids. Um, yeah, because there is a point I think where I think we have a responsibility to our next generation to not make them think that YouTube is a career on its yeah. own. Do you know what I mean? I think that yeah, and that's what's really fascinating for me to hear that you're working your ass off. You know, you're running mm. a business. You know, it's more than just I'm doing some drawings and uploading them to YouTube and I'm, I'm yeah. making a success out of it. It's a hard gig. It's a hard grind. Um, yeah. And all the power to you, my friend. Um, it's awesome. I, I respect everything you. you've done and I'm going to get the kids on the channel because I like the idea of them seeing A, an Aussie uh, and B, someone <laughs> who's, who's you know, fascinated by all forms of art. So um, where would you grow up? You mentioned you the, the country. Yeah, uh, just in uh, Gippsland. Gippsland, um, okay, in, Victoria. Yeah, yeah, rural Victoria. Yeah, I'm a country boy, New South Wales myself. So I, I, yeah. I hear, I hear the regional nature of the world, and it's a very different space <laughs> to uh, to growing up in the city. And I watch that with my kids right now. Uh, good yeah. on you, mate, and uh, and thank Cheers. you to ASUS for hooking us up. And uh, if you want to read more Absolutely. about the ASUS Creator Exchange. Uh, you can find that at Asus Creator Exchange with uh, no e, just exchange.com.au. Jazza, good to cheat, good to talk to you, mate. I really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Taking your calls, you got a question? Go to the website eftm.com. Steve's on the line. G'day, Steve. G'day, Trevor. How you going? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Well, my Wi-Fi at home, MBN, operates well. It's Telstra. But I keep dropping out, and I don't really know why. And Telstra have been through it, set on the air for some hours, mm. and I've found if I turn my Wi-Fi off my phone, when I come in, it doesn't drop out. So it seems when my Oppo uh, X2 Lite, I think it is, comes in, um, it seems to drop out. Um, I've turned it off for ages in the home now, and it's not dropping out. I just wondered what, why that would be. So what's what's dropping out? So if you're on, if you're on your phone talking, and it drops out when you walk into the house. 
no, no, I just walk in. I've got the phone set on Wi-Fi, yeah. and I walk into the area with it closer the, to the um, modem. modem, and then that modem will just drop out and then start its process to kick on again. The modem will, will drop out, you mean? Yeah, the modem drops out and restarts. Well, that's and that will, So everything, that will else that. On, everything else in your house fails at the point that your Oppo phone hits the network. Yeah, and then it'll kick on and it'll be okay, you know. I would leave the home, say, come back into the, my study, and then it'll do it again intermittently, not all the time, but enough to annoy me, shall we say. Wow. That's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, I've never heard of such a thing. Now, oh. I mean, there's two things. I've heard of Telstra having <coughs> dropouts on their modem, um, and one of the things I've heard is disable the 4G. <laughs> so Telstra have this you know, backup <laughs> network, uh, the 4G network for when the MBN's down. And I've heard that the the Telstra modems actually operate better without that backup. Um, ah, so that's a, that's a okay. fascinating thing, which which on its own could be tested, right? So yeah. I, I'm not anything I suggest to you is not potentially all interlinked. I'm just saying they're things that you could test. So yeah. turning off the 4G backup, though, I don't know how that relates to your phone being on the Wi-Fi. The one no, thing I do wonder on your physical phone is if you've got Wi-Fi calling enabled. And what that means is when your phone connects to a Wi-Fi network, you can receive and, and make phone calls even though you've got no mobile phone coverage. So I wonder whether in your phone you could go into the settings under mobile network and turn off Wi-Fi calling. I think it's on now, actually. I think you're right. So turn it off and, yeah, right. and, then, and then turn back on Wi-Fi and see whether coming home and doing the, what you normally do has an impact. Yeah. Now, the last thing I'd suggest is because we think it's the phone in some way – you know, conflicting with your network is honestly, I think it probably worth either doing a reset of the network settings. So in the phone under reset, there should be a thing that says reset network settings, which basically yep. just deletes all its memory of, you know, the Wi-Fi networks and all that kind of stuff. So it'll kind of rejoin the network as you requested to. You'll need to join the network again, put in the password and do all that stuff. So again, yep. see if either of those things, don't do any of these things together. Do them all yep. one at a time. So turn off the Wi-Fi calling, and then for a day, see what happens. If nothing changes, then do a network reset on the phone. If yeah. nothing happens, turn off that 4G backup. See if that does anything. And, mate, to be honest, failing that, I, I'm reluctant to suggest you factory reset the phone because it really makes no sense. makes no sense what's happening. Yeah, right. I think at that point, get back in touch, and we need to get Telstra to replace that modem because that's ridiculous. Ah. It's just silly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like there's there's just no way that a phone connecting to a Wi-Fi network should bring the network down. <laughs> it's just yeah. silly. Um, so that's kind of my suggestions in uh, in how you would do it. What I all I'm talking about here is trial and error. You know, you're doing a bunch of things yeah. to see which does what, and yep. if you do them all together, you'll never know what it was. Yeah. So I'll do one of those order you said. I'll give that a crack and see how yeah. we go. That's the best I can suggest, my friend. No, I appreciate that. That's a really good start, Trevor. All right, Steve. Good luck and let me know how you go. Will do, mate. All the best. Merry Christmas. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating one, isn't it? I mean, has anyone ever heard of your entire Wi-Fi network going down when one device connects to it? I can't think of one. I can't think of when that's happened. Anyway, if you've got a suggestion, um, don't please don't think that I know everything. I really don't. A lot of the time I am just absolutely scratching at the surface to try and find an answer. So if you've got an answer, let me know. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now I'm going to do something outrageous. 
I'm going to spoil days worth of content. Days worth. Because you are loyal. You're a loyal listener to this podcast. And this is my last opportunity to share with you our thoughts on 2021. So right now we're publishing the EFTM Best Award winners. Now I started the Best Awards 2014 maybe was the first year we did it. And the reason was, um, you know, everyone does awards, but I wanted to do something slightly more legitimate. It sounds ridiculous, but because they're real awards, they're a physical glass thing. Um, rather than just put something on the internet and say, this is the best one, I've gone to the trouble of spending money to get awards made. And we do that every year. And I think it's a nice recognition of our own personal opinion. Let's be clear. This is not a metric by which things are measured. This is a personal opinion of what's best. And I'll tell you how it works. Uh, I've got a spreadsheet. Um, I type all the categories. Um, I put last year's winner so that we just have a, uh, um, a guide to you know, what, what last year was. And also, so sometimes thing, you think something was this year, but it was actually last year, etc. And then myself, Daniel and Scott, um, who reviews just as many things as I do, uh, put stuff in a list. And I overrule anything they say. No, <laughs> um, we, we debate it on WhatsApp a little bit and we talk about what wins. And we get a list. And we eliminate some uh, awards that we've done before, but we, we just can't think of a, a winner for. And I don't want just randomness. So a lot of the car awards disappear because I think Best Ute was one we, we brushed this year because there was no there was nothing new. Uh, we haven't driven the new Ford Ranger. That's probably going to win next year. Um, and I didn't like the Hilux. So there was no Ute award. Um, for example, now I've already published two days worth. Um, if you're listening literally first thing on Tuesday at lunchtime, then there's a couple still to come. But I'm going to run through nearly all of them here um, because it's not like, there's some award ceremony that you can spoil by publishing them on the internet for me. Um, I'd be disappointed if someone did publish the list somewhere, um, but I'm happy to talk through them here right now. So we gave Best Gaming to the Backbone one. I love that little thing. Little um, uh, console, uh, Christ, what do you call it? Controller, that instead of connecting to a console, you put your iPhone in it. And it wasn't just that you could control games in a, in a console-like fashion, but it had this kind of app that you could navigate. It was like, kind of an Xbox interface. Very, very nice little unit, the backbone one. Best Internet of Things I gave to the Amazon Echo Show. That's the big Echo Show 10, the big one that twists its head. <laughs> so it follows you around the room. When you're talking to it, it follows you. When you use the Alexa app, you can actually look into your room and tilt uh, or pan, sorry, pan around the room. Very cool. I, I thought that was a really good use of an Internet of Things connected device. Best Entertainment. I gave to Ted Lasso because, damn, I love that show. It was great like, first season. but The second season, and maybe this is a bit soppy, squishy stuff, but it was a tough year this year. You know, we're in lockdown again. And, you know, Ted Lasso is just a great show. It's got a good nature to it. There's a positive outlook. There's some heavy themes in it, but broadly it's just a good-natured show. And I think that's what we want from entertainment. So spot on. That wins. Best small car, the Hyundai i30. We gave one away. That's how much I like it. But for the value for money, when you compare it to a Corolla or other small cars, man, it's a good car. Wireless Apple CarPlay, great fit and finish, great ride, great look with a slightly refined uh, front end this year. But yeah, I think it's a great car. Hyundai i30. Best appliance, the Ecovacs D-Bot N8 Pro. That's one that Scott reviewed. I had reviewed the... 
uh, T8. God, what did I... Anyway, the Ecovax D-Bot N8 Pro brings a lot of the top-end features to uh, a, well, a device that's well under 1000 bucks, And so for us, that was a big win. Robot vacuums are now at a point where they are totally legitimate appliances in your home. So that's why that, that gets the win for me. Best tablet was the iPad mini. I think that bringing uh, finally a fresh design to the iPad mini with that kind of square edge look of the iPad Pro in the air, big win. Best security, the Uniden 4K NVR. Now this, the reason I did this was because this merges two worlds, that wired camera world as well as wireless. The fact that I can run 20 meters of cable to a camera or I can just plug one into a PowerPoint and it's on the Wi-Fi network and it still connects to the NVR. So it's constantly recording. The vision's always there and I can access that from an app. It's a very good system. It's not for everyone. Definitely your Arlo, Uniden, Swan, Google, wireless systems are excellent for average Joes who just want to whack a camera at the front door. But if you've got a small business or a property that you're willing to spend some time um, either making sure there's PowerPoints in the right spot or cabling, Uniden 4K NVR. Best telco, Aussie Broadband. They do such great work, great customer service, great um, informative updates when there's any outages or issues or concerns on the network. They're just bloody good. They tell you how much bandwidth they've got. They're reasonably good prices. They're a great telco. Best SUV, the Hyundai Palisade. That's a big, different-looking car for Hyundai. Um, and we thought it was better than the Prado as a family car. And I think it's a better SUV as a family car than the new Land Cruiser 300 series. That's a great car for going to the bush and off-road. But as a city car, a city SUV, Hyundai Palisade every day of the week. Best gadget, Apple AirTag. Love this thing. Forget your tile tracker, sorry. That's a no-go for me. You know, tile um, has been bought by Life360, and that could and should add to their network capabilities. But the AirTag, very good. Very good at tracking, very good at tracing your items. And as you know, I tracked parcels interstate with it. Best family car, the Hyundai Santa Fe. Flipsy drove this for a couple of months in lockdown. And he just thinks there's, he doesn't know why he'd buy anything other than this as a family car. Unless you needed the more space, Santa Fe wins. Best wireless sound, the JBL Live Pro Plus. Now I've said, look, the AirPods are great, but I think they don't fit well. And I think that's going to be a percentage of the population. I think the Sonys are amazing, but they're very high price. JBL Live Pro Plus. $249. I bought them last week at $178. Great price. Great quality. Great design. They're a tick for me. Best luxury car. These will be announced tomorrow. It will be the Mercedes S-Class. Beautiful, stunning, crazy. The height of luxury. Full stop. Best innovation. Google Pixel 6's Magic Erase. I think... Not because it's new, because there's probably apps that do it well. But I think Google does it very well. And the fact that they got so much attention for it was genius. The best laptop is the MacBook Pro 16-inch. It's huge. It's powerful. Battery-powered performance is out of this world. It's a winner. The best small SUV, I gave to the Ford Puma. Great little car. Probably a bit of a sleeper in terms of what people know about it, but it had the Ford Connect on it so you could actually, you know, remote start it and all that stuff. But generally, just as a small SUV, awesome. Best game, Far Cry 6. Look, there's plenty more out there, but this is a game that comes along once in a, a few years. It ticked a box, Far Cry 6. 
The best sports car, the Toyota Yaris GR. Man, that is a hot hatch that's unlike any other and had to win. The best wearable is the Apple Watch Series 7. Just pushing the boundaries of that design, screen size. Whew, they really nailed it. The best TV is the Q90A from Samsung. That's the 4K variant of the Neo QLED. It's a gorgeous TV. And until someone else tries to, you know, bring down the borders of a TV, I don't know how you're going to beat that TV. I really don't. The best electric car, you could call this controversial, and that will make some sense shortly, but the best electric car is the Polestar 2. And value comes into that. 60 grand starting price, but 60 grand for an electric car that has that look, that design, that performance, that fit and finish, it's a no-brainer for me. I don't know why I'd buy anything else. Great car. Best camera, iPhone 13 Pro. Unbelievable. Cinematic mode. Again, it's just a, it's a feature, but it's phenomenal. The best smartphone, somewhat controversial because it's not the Pixel 6 or the iPhone 13 Pro, but more to say about that in a minute. The Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 because holy crap, it's $1,500 or less now. For a folding phone. Let's look at the price today. Galaxy Flip. I'm going to look right now. I don't even know what it is. Still $14.99. There you go. No discounts, but there have been discounts, and there are you know, a lot of retail um, employee-style discounts and things like that. $1,500 for a flip-folding phone that's in its essentially third generation, but second generation. Crazy. So on value and innovation, Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 is the best smartphone for me. Now, on Friday, we'll announce our, call them Gold Logie style awards. The gold category awards for best lifestyle, Samsung Serif TV. First time I finally had that in the office. It's been around for a couple of years. Gorgeous. What a stunning thing. Love it. Best car, Porsche Taycan. Man, that thing is glorious. Crazy. Beautiful. And electric. Best tech, Google Pixel 6. I think that'll shock some people. But that's a great phone. And I think Daniel and Scott both said, this thing, it's good. And it is. It's Google through and through. Google processor, Google design, Google everything. It's a great phone. The bloke's best, which I love because of what we are, is Forza Horizon 5. I think that game is phenomenal because you don't have to play the game. You can just drive and enjoy and explore and... Man, I love Forza Horizon 5. And the Platinum Award, the best of the best. And this is the first time I've ever given two awards in one year to something, but I just, I needed to. It's the Porsche Taycan. That car, the engineering, the speed, the performance, the electricity. It's an electric car that drives like any other Porsche. It's phenomenal. So the Porsche Taycan wins. It's a great car. Best car and best of the best. So there you go. Spoiler alert, folks. They are the 28 different awards we're giving on... Was it 25? Let me look. Whoosh. Now I'm confused. Because I've cancelled Rose. Yes. No, it's... Uh, I think it's 28. It's definitely 28. 5, 10, 15. No, there's less. I should count them, shouldn't I? I'm going to count them right now in front of you. Watch this. 1, 
2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. There it is. Very cool. I don't see how there's 28. It's five days. 25. I'm so confused. Anyway, those are the awards. The EFTM Awards for 2021. Let me know what you think. Trevor Long, taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website, EFTM.com. Alan's on the line. G'day, Alan. Yeah, g'day, Trevor. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, calling me, mate. It's great. No, appreciate um, it. No problems. Uh, the problem I've got is uh, contacting Facebook. <laughs> right. Pretty much, pretty much you can't contact Facebook. Um, I've actually registered her uh, uh, business name with that ASIC and um, – and I uh, got a uh, web page up running. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is I can't use the business name for Facebook because it won't allow it. And do you have any idea why that is? No, no, it just comes back. It says it just won't let me um, use it. Try <laughs> and uh, actually ask me to try another name, maybe a business name. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there anything that- about the business name that would make you think that it wouldn't be something they would allow? No, no, there's nothing. In, in, in there at all, I bet I could tell you what the business name is. Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's uh, Vax Up Australia, V-A-X Up Australia. As in vaccinate? Yes. Well, I think that's your issue. <laughs> I think... Yeah, I think that, that is my issue. I won't allow Vax. Yeah, I think, I think Facebook would have a big red flag over anything because, you know, the, the crap they get from um, people on every side of the world and every side of arguments and every side of politics about... Um, the, what they allow um, would would have enforced a whole lot of rules around what you can say and do and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying specifically you or your business. I'm just saying that yeah. you know if you if you try and create a, a business called you know we love COVID or we hate COVID, the word COVID is going to be a problem. It doesn't matter whether you're you know for or against. Um, right. I would think they're going to flag that as being a problem. And I unfortunately this is the problem with Facebook. There is no mate. There's no support here. There's no local. The local office does. You know, no. they do business dealings and stuff like that. They're, they're trying to sell ads. They're not trying to, you know, help you and me. <laughs> yeah. So I think the challenge there is that, you know, you are dealing in a space that is, you know, very much a tough one for them. You know, it's a tough one for them to – because if they approve you, then they've probably got some other side of the argument stuff that they – might. I mean, it's just a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. And I think you, you can probably see that, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I knew there was a problem with it, um, um, which is why I was actually trying to get on a Facebook to explain. Yeah, yeah. What? What? I mean, what does the business do, mate? Uh, I've just got some uh, merch. Well, basically, it's you know, Vax Up Australia. Um, we want everyone in Australia to to vaccinate. Um, so it's a probably it's a pro pack. You call you probably call it a pro vaccination um website yeah um and i've just got some some you know some um stickers and, and um shirts made up with vex you know vex up australia yep um, logo on it yep um, which i'm gonna probably sell and i'm thinking about making some um, money for mental health that's yeah nice that's good that's yeah. really nice i mean so i think that what you need to do is um i i wouldn't worry too much about the name of the page it's more about how you use it 
that's that's going to make the difference. Um, you know, yeah. you could call it, and and also with the greatest respect, I don't want to give you business advice, but you know, very limited. Um, run business, uh, hopefully, uh, the world of vaccinations isn't something we're desperately talking about in two years from now. Um, no, ma- no, that's right. Yes. Ma- maybe maybe you want to look at just registering the page under a name, you know, um, a classic Aussie merch or Aussie Aussie support merch or something. Do you know what I mean? So it's very clearly Australian. Uh, and it's very yeah. clearly merchandise. Um, it doesn't matter that the business name, because the business name and the uh, – uh, product name is actually completely separate from Facebook's point of view. Really, it's just about what you post and making sure what you post meets their community guidelines, and I can't see how it wouldn't. So um, I, I think that's the approach I would suggest because, you, mate, you will bang your head against a digital wall enough to bruise trying to get this sorted. I would imagine so. I mean, I, I mean I've, I've, I'm not going to die trying. That's- yeah, yeah, exactly, and I'd prefer that you got – you know that stuff up on the website ready to sell do you know what i mean so i think that yeah. i think my advice is i'd love to say i can help you but even the people i've referred with very what i would describe as simple problems um yeah. it's a mate it's a one in 10 outcome for me in terms of getting getting a hit rate with facebook um yeah. so unfortunately i don't think the people that i would deal with would would really give us any hope i i i'm happy to pass it on but i'll be honest with you i don't think they'll do much right so I think you need to take a different approach, which is, right, how can I make it happen? Let's get the stuff up there. And you want it to be viral in the sense that it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter what the page name is. It's about that big picture of someone wearing a shirt or a hat or whatever it is. And um and yeah, going yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got a I think I've I've got a way around it. So um I have got a Facebook page up now. Is it the so, VUA uh, one? Yes. Yeah. So you've used the the username Vax Up Australia, I can see. Um yeah, and you've yeah. just called it VUA. Yes. Um, I would, um, you know, I don't know what else you can include in the name of the page, but I, I would, you know, can you use emojis like the needle emoji? I don't know. Don't think you can. You probably can't. Um, yeah. but you know, even yeah. if you just call it supporting Australia or something like that, you know, find it, find a way to give it a name and, uh, and start posting your merch and, uh, hopefully you have some success, can raise some money for charity, mate. Yeah. That sounds good to me. All, All right. right. Well, thanks for coming back. Really appreciate it. Good luck, yeah. Alan. Good luck with it. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'd never thought about the fact that um, Facebook would, you know, they block comments, <clears throat> but, you know, blocking new page names. I'll be honest. I think that's good. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think it's great because it means that whether you're pro or anti-vax, they're stopping you creating pages which could well end in misinformation. Now, you know, I'm looking at the page that Alan created and, you know, he's only created it a couple of days ago, but... He's he said that the page is about info on vaccine rate statistics and sale of marketing products. I just mate, I'd be more upfront and honest about that. I'd just say we're selling great, you know, vaccination merch or something, you know. Um but yeah, interesting that they literally don't allow the word vax in a Facebook page name. They do in his username, because he's got the username, uh, but not in the page name. Interesting. Um I don't know how he's going to end up with that, but we'll see. Best advice I could give. Sorry, Al. Sing along! <laughs> it might sound crazy what I'm about to say But travel along's the world's best techie He's the kind of guy we picked on at school It really And it wasn't fair, but he don't care, he's cool too 
I mean, nong, is that the only word that rhymes with long that could be used in Trevor Long is such a, you know. Thanks, Benny. Uh, Robertson Brothers did that for me years ago after, and I've told this story before, after uh, GK, who was uh, at the time, might have been at Vodafone, and then moved on to Huawei in PR. And she's, she's Dutch. She's got a great accent and a, just one of the happiest, smiliest, funniest people I've ever met. And she said, I heard this song the other day, and all it all I heard was your name. And I said, what are you talking about? And we played the song. We were, I think we were on a trip. And we were listening to it, you know, and it's Far- Pharrell Williams going, uh, clap along, clap along. You know. And she goes, all I hear is Trevor Long. And I went, that's hilarious, and I'm going to get that song made. <laughs> and it's been an earworm ever since. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for your support this year. I've had a great year. Um, a good year. Apart from the tax department, it's been a good year. We gave away a bloody car at the start of the year. That felt awesome. We gave away three Xboxes. We gave away PlayStation. We gave away TVs. It's been awesome. There's a, there's a giveaway right now on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. We're giving away a Landroid robot lawnmower from Works. A robot lawnmower, $1,500 worth. Could be yours. All you got to do is name it. So go to the Facebook page and enter now. Um, as I said, it's Christmas week next week, so we'll take the week off. Um, and it's school holidays, so it just gets difficult for me logistically, uh, trying to make sure my wife can work as many days as she can without trying to shoulder the whole bloody burden of the family. And then on the 1st of January, Stig and I are on a plane, United 870 to San Francisco, and then we'll change down to LA and we'll drive across to Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show, which is going to be massive. Not, not in scale, but just in terms of, oh my God, we're there. Um, there's no South Hall this year. It's empty, but there is a new West Hall, which is where we'll be. We've got a new studio in the West Hall, which is a brand new convention center hall that's been built across the road uh, from the existing Central and North Halls, which is awesome. Um, so we'll be based there. We'll be on the Today Show on, my guess would be Wednesday and Thursday, the 5th and 6th of January here in Australia, and then on Saturday the 8th, and we'll hopefully put together a great roundup of all the gadgets from the Consumer Electronics Show at uh, on a current affair on Friday night, January the 7th. Um, with all of that, just that in mind, um, plus I'm going to obviously try and make uh, some videos for TikTok and Instagram and the like. Um, most of the written content on AFTM will be uh, published by the great legends, Daniel and Scott back here, um, carrying the load um, of all the press releases and things that come through. Uh, but, yeah, very much a focus on the, the Channel 9 content this year and the social stuff because it just means stig, so we don't really have the kind of manpower to cover everything and find all the little stuff, but we'll find some cool stuff. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about that. We'll get there. There'll be plenty. Um, so I look forward to that. I really can't wait to get there, not because um, I just want to travel again. I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm kind of looking forward to feeling normal again, and that's what CES in January is. Um, so things will get back to a bit of normality after that. We'll do a bit of a wrap up. Um, uh, we'll try and do, I'll try and do a show from Vegas, uh, but certainly two blokes talking tech will be, um, a show we do in Vegas. And then the EFTM podcast will resume normal programming sometime in late January. Um, my wife has an operation, which is no big deal, but we, we just want to be there for her as a family, uh, in late January. 
And then, yeah, so basically I think the podcast will be back late January. Uh, and then we'll be onwards with a big new year. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And I uh, appreciate everyone's loyalty. I appreciate everyone clicking on the things that we do. I appreciate everyone who downloaded the EFTM app this year, which was probably the biggest, coolest thing we did in the year. And if you don't have it, well, what, what, what is going on? What is going on? Uh, and a gr- big shout out to everyone in the Man Cave group on Facebook. Um, I just I get a lot of good feedback about that. I got one this this week. Where was it? Uh, da, 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 da. Joshua from Borkham Hill. So just wanted to say how nice, how much. In, oh, it's, it's not really worded probably. How much I'm enjoying the EFTM Man Cave group on Facebook. Great content. Good to share thoughts and tech issues with others. Well done. Two thumbs up, Trev. Well, thank you, Joshua, and thank you to Glenn Howie. Matt, Matt, Rob, and Rob, who uh, moderate the Facebook group because I can't be there every minute of the day, and they're great. They spend a lot of time making sure that we're we're keeping it a good place because that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a good, happy, positive place where people can ask questions, get help, and just basically shoot the breeze about tech, gadgets, cars, and, and lifestyle with each other and uh, get answers where possible to uh, the pressing questions. So thank you, boys. I appreciate everything you've done this year uh, to keep this little show on the road. Um, Have a great Christmas um, with your families. Hopefully you're getting to see people you haven't seen in a long time. Hopefully you're getting out and spending money in the community with people who might have struggled uh, through lockdowns. And most importantly, I hope you have a great Christmas. And Santa leaves all the right things under the tree. Uh, And I look forward to talking to you in the new year. And in the meantime, everything will be happening at uh, EFTM.com, as always, all the way through the holidays and into CES. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. See you next year. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM Podcast. EFTM.